a favour the podcast about learning from experience and the things we do to make our lives easier. My name's Tim Sisney from Make Work Work Better and each episode I'll be talking to my guests about their epiphanies, their inspirations and the magic of their workflow. And I'm really excited to be here with Heather Eggington. Hello Heather. Hello Tim, I'm excited too. Would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? Hi, I'm Heather Eggington. I'm a transformational and intuitive coach. Excellent. So as you know, five questions, and this is all about things you've learned, learning from experience and the things that made your life easier. And, and yeah, we'll get into it. Tangents, of course, are fine and with us expected. Uh, so question number one is what's something that you wish you'd learned sooner? There's two things that I wish I learned sooner. One of them is seeing every opportunity and interaction that I have as, an, as a, a place or an opportunity for me to raise my game. And what I mean by that is rather than me looking at what's wrong with somebody or what's wrong with something someone's done or what's wrong with the whole situation, being able to really look at, okay, well, what would make a difference? What would improve this for me and them? Etc. Etc. So I think that that would be one of them. If I learn that every interaction I have is an opportunity, you know, for, for me to to raise my game, I certainly would have been maybe a little bit richer by now. And I think the second one is owning and being able to own out loud how you feel and not feel like it's something you should hide there's quite a lot of experiences in my life where I was made to feel like this is something you shouldn't talk about unless it's behind closed doors and that anything to do with emotions feelings mental or physical you know if there seemed to be something that was challenging you you know go and go and suffer on your own over there and deal with it on your own you know so I think the biggest lesson for me is is really opening what's actually going on with me what's happening for me I'm found, finding that I'm trusting that that is probably what's going on for other people as well. And the fact that I can talk about it gives them permission to do the same, really. So so I think overall, deeper connection, like I just felt a deeper connection with people the more I've opened up and, and not hidden stuff. That's what I would say. Mm. That's interesting because, so one of the things you didn't mention um, when you are introducing yourself was the vulnerability arena, which you very kindly had me on. And that speaks really nicely to that, I think, that sense of vulnerability and allowing yourself to be to be open and available. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think the reason the vulnerability arena has been like a little passion of mine based around that kind of life lesson, I think, because, you know, have a belief when you speak to something or investigate something or decide to put your attention on a particular thing, how, how it opens up in you and vulnerability. I just had an inability to be vulnerable all my life, right? Which obviously you've alluded to through my shares. So yeah, I, it's about two years old now, vulnerability arena. I can't believe it. I've had amazing guests on. Next one is all about menopause. I mean, that is, to, to me, I didn't realize this, but the vulnerability arena is really to get in conversation with people, to talk about subjects that mainly have always been taboo. 
you know, mm -hmm. things that aren't necessarily mainstreamly, openly out there for people to learn from or understand more about. And so I feel like now that's where it's moved to, like really getting these topics that are not talked about out in the world and shared. So, yeah. It's exciting. And so I'm thinking about your first, your first idea then that for me feels very, it's quite fixed growth mindset kind of approach. Is that, is that, is that fair? So approaching things less from a point of view of this is, uh, this hasn't worked the way I wanted to. So it's, that's a failure and that's a, somehow a reflection on me as a person versus that thing hasn't worked the way that I expected it to. And isn't that interesting? What can I learn from it? Yeah, it's a great distinction for you to highlight there, I think, Tim. Ultimately, before every interaction I had um, was about how can I make myself look better here? How can I make myself look like I know everything? You know, how mm -hmm. can I make myself look perfect here? And now when I see the interactions as an opportunity to raise my game, it's more about, okay, well, what, were I, what was I doing in that moment for that to be felt or for that to occur? You know, wh where can I make a difference there? rather than it being something that the other person can do, you know, to me. And so it's definitely, I think, really focus on cultivating your ability to be able to connect with somebody where they're at mm -hmm. um, and how important that is from an interaction perspective. From a world perspective, right, we sometimes we find it really easy to dismiss people if they come across a certain way or display a certain behaviour. Or... I, I learned a lot from her since since she... She did that training and has become, I suppose, more, more self-aware and more kind of able to, to challenge and ask questions and, and so on in a, in a, in a, a way that, that, that fits into the way that we do things. And you know, kind of decide at that point, we're not going to continue to connect with them or, or spend time with them. And it's just like, it's really hard sometimes for people to really meet people where they're at and really understand what it is that they're trying to make a difference to, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's true. One of the things that I, I think I've got better at, I hope I've got better at, I've tried to get better at over the last, last few years, because my wife's a psychotherapist. And so, and it's made me realize so often, I think that when you have an interaction with someone and it's not, you know, maybe, maybe they're not reacting in the way that you were hoping or expecting, or maybe they, they are a bit off with you in the way that something happens, or maybe you, the, the interaction isn't really what you wanted. One of the things that her response to that, whenever I mentioned that, if I come off the phone with someone, I go, oh, that was a bit, and she was like, oh, I wonder what was going on for them. And it's like, oh yeah, there were two people in that conversation. And I was only one of them. And just that, and so that question of, I wonder what was going on for that person is something that I'm really trying to hold on to whenever I have an interaction that's not how I was expecting to go from just rec really recognizing that my point of view and experience is only like a part of this whole thing that's going on. It's, which, you know, I, I guess is, it's part of being a person and a grown up, but it's new to me, you know? And like, it's not necessarily, doesn't always feel natural for people to kind of consider the other side right and this just speaks to the divide I spoke about earlier I, I think a really powerful question I've really leaned into to keep asking myself was you know what what kind of currency was on exchange there in that conversation you know was it coming from a place of love or was it coming from a place of of, of gain you know and then it helps me really see okay well 
it's, you know, what I was feeling in that moment. I normally do speak to that point when I'm there or I speak, because this is the trick I've learned through group coaching, you know, rather than speak to a person in the group, if there's something I'm feeling from everybody, I'll speak to the space, like I'll speak to the environment and I'll say, is anyone else feeling as though, you know, there's a little bit of resistance here, for example? And I'll do the same in an individual conversation with somebody if I feel like there's something that's not being exchanged here that's from a loving place. I'm like, okay, does anyone else feel like there's like some kind of fear here? Or, you know, like, so I'll always try and bring it into the room at the time. And it's, it's allowed me to connect, you know, better with people just by considering it, really. In, interesting what you said there as well as in both of those both those examples you just gave, you kind of named the feeling, which I think is really important. So it's not a, it's not just a, well, that's, that's just not gone well. It's trying to sort of give a, give a name to what that feeling is and maybe trying to sort of call out the, the sensation that people are having. Because I think quite a lot of the time we just put bad feelings into a, like a box and they're just one box of bad feelings. And I end up could be feeling bad about something which is a very unspecific and unhelpful way of trying to like process that. Yeah. What I say is great if you want to feel good all the time. However, you do need to stop trying to hide all of your bad feelings somewhere in there because you can't keep that away and only have good feelings. You know, you kind of, you've got to accept both them are going to come it's how you see. So yeah, right. Yeah. Totally around the box thing. I mean, like, let's put our hands up here. I certainly had a Pandora's box stored away for quite a long time. There's another analogy, isn't there? Some people talk about like, you know, a, a rucksack on your back mm-hmm. that you're carrying around. Same, same kind of, same kind of visual. I think, yeah, totally, totally speaking to the feelings is really, I want to say like it pulls the pin out of the grenade, which doesn't sound the best, but it's almost like, you know, speak in the room but it doesn't really point the finger to being an elephant do you know what i mean i'm not sure elephants have fingers but but yeah i know but i know what you're saying yeah (laughs) okay so let's move on and so the next question is about i guess turning points and i'm really interested now is there a is there a book or a concept or an individual that you you came across and learned from that you feel like a was a turning point that led you to where you are now that made a big a big difference to you? Love this question. 100%. It's only happened to me in the last four months. Tim, <laughs> you might, might be surprised. I, I have had not the best experience from a mensuality kind of women's cycle. Not always had the best experience with that. There's always been some kind of shame, pain, and maybe even <laughs> blame associated with fertility parts in me. Right. And I didn't really turn my attention to it until I was writing about, okay, well, why have I got pain there? What's this telling me, right, about myself? Or surely it's an invitation for me to look at what that's, why that's there, like, because other people don't have it. So the book, Wild Power, I was recommended, and it's about, understanding and cultivating your wild power through your menstrual cycles. Um, it's actually the pinnacle point for me to launch my first women's only program, the wealth of women, because the 
things that they discuss in that book are, blew my mind, like to the point where in, if in other countries they honour the woman's cycle, you know, and they have what they call red tent meetings, you know, and the women are sent away to go to the red tent while they're, we're going through their, their, their cycle and the men then wait for them to come back with the wisdom of that recreation experience within them, right? And I was like, oh, wow. Like, there is no point in my life that I ever honoured this experience happening to me, the fact that I can create life or recreate life, right? Um, so the minute I turned my attention to all that, that book was, like, groundbreaking for me, like, to the point where it's like, this should be in every school and given to every child that experiences that, you know, and, and starts, starts their menstrual cycle. Because it, it just literally flipped my way of thinking around what it actually means when I do go through that experience as a woman and, and how much power there is there. So definitely that. And, and I want to tell you the authors, right? The second names are so hard. Maybe I'll share a link when you post this podcast out. Um, yeah, I'll put a link in, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. So if you, you send it to me, then I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely you. do that. Are you, have you seen um, Turning Red? the new Pixar movie. Someone told me a couple of weeks ago about that. So I'm definitely going to put it on my list. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's fabulous. And I mean, I've got two two boys, eight and four, and they're just watching it because, you know, it's about a, a girl who turns into a red panda and bounces around destroying things. So for them, they're on a different level. But watching it, kind of thinking, you know, there's a, to your point about, you know, these things being in schools, I think making the point about what about what women go through from a young age right the way through their life and it not being that weird thing that happened when I was at school where all the boys leave assembly and go somewhere else and then the girls have the talk and try and make it something that's not a dividing and hidden, shameful, difficult thing. It's, yeah. Something to be celebrated, like, you know, can you... Like, we've got this inside us, like, you know, and actually I read as well, you know, just as a man is in like becoming a born, like before they're born, they take on like the, the feminine growth, like the first phase of their womb experience as a, as a baby or whatever and becoming a life is, is all they're cultivating their feminine Power, this is why they have nipples. Okay. Right, so, so like at every stage, like there's feminine power there. You <laughs> just think there's something to be tapped into here. And, I, and actually, I talk about this, you know, this is the era where we're seeing quite a, an equilibrium between, you know, disparity of wealth for women. Like mm-hmm. 2022 is like it's booming. From a female industry point of view and, and, and career point of view. So it's happening. Did you see the, um, the gender pay gap bot on International Women's Day? No, I didn't. It was fabulous. It was, it was, so it was just like a little bit of software that's, that was written that whenever an, a company tweeted about International Women's Day, the bot replied to the tweet with their gender pay gap. <laughs> 
So yeah, every company at least on the radio. Yeah, every company trying to trying to to sort of cash in on um, International Women's Day via social media got got a little sort of commentary on their gender pay gap. It's so that's what I mean. It's happening. Mm. I, you know, th these things will happen if people's attention are being turned to it. It's going to change. Hopefully, hopefully. So. We're going to turn a little bit more towards workflow now, if that's okay. Okay. So how you, how, how you get things done. Big, big part of this is about sort of helping people to, I like to think of it as, as we introduce some people to ideas that they can start to introduce into their, their life and work, but also like, how do we actually just get through the mechanics of actually delivering our work and doing our thing? It's something that I, I find really interesting. What's something that you absolutely couldn't live without what do you need to have with you every day in order to get your work done, get yourself through the day in order to to, to do what heather does pen and paper mm. i'm like a journal pad kind of everything comes to me i need a pen and paper probably i would say 50 percent of my work if we call it work is writing about certain topics that have come up, themes that I've experienced. And when I write about it, I don't, there's no research needed. There's no extra reading needed for me to produce material or content for my work or to share what I'm up to. Like it's just there. I guess it, it from a productivity point of view, it literally removes the need for me to go looking everywhere else for knowledge, information, statistics, all of that stuff, because all of the stuff I talk about or share or write about, it, it just comes from what, what I've noticed or am experienced. And, I, and there's no planning needed either, which I know takes a lot of time up for a lot of people. You know, I can open out a group session with one question and that's where it stays, you know, and it's, and it's beautiful, like to let it go where it needs to go. So I think the, the top level answer around that is, letting go of needing to have specific things all in order and organized for us to move forward. I think that would be the overarching message to anyone was watching to be more productive. It's just like, let go of, of detail, let go of ticking boxes, let go of, you know, having to feel perfect before we do anything, all of that stuff. Because every time you do, like we said on our discussion beforehand, like you move a little bit further forward, you know, and then you learn and then you move a little bit further forward. And it's kind of like, you want to try and have those forward steps in order first before we'll take them. And it, if you think of it in that way, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Cause we mm -hmm. still stay there. <laughs> yeah. I am. Um, I like that. What, so one of the things that I'm, as you probably know, I'm a huge advocate of is a, a productivity method called getting things done by David Allen. And one of the things that I, I think the thing that made me, that made that work for me over planning and other mod models is this idea that you don't have to, you don't really have to plan. And all you need to do is know what you're trying to achieve and what the next thing you're going to do. And so it's one of my, one of my colleagues, he talked about it as being like a sat nav, which I really like is like, you put in the, you put in the postcode where you want to go. And it tells you the next turn and you don't actually have to worry about all the turns in between, you know, you, you haven't got to think about, and that for me, if I think about before I started, you know, using that system, 
the thing I would always find paralyzing about trying to do anything new was having to have all the steps. Well, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what all the things I need to do to get there. And actually just kind of going, okay, well, I want to do, let's say this, I want to do a podcast. Okay. So the first thing I'm going to do is find some people to be on a podcast. <laughs> and it's not even necessarily the right first thing, but what's the right first thing, you know? And at some point I'll go, oh, I don't know how to make a podcast. Maybe the next thing I need to do is Google how to make a podcast. So, but I think, yeah, you, they, you're right. There's something very, if you're, if you're waiting to have that perfect path to where you're going, then actually you're just going to sit there the entire time waiting for everything. Yeah. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head, I think, even from a life general view, you know, the minute we start, and I say this in, in one of my activation experiences, you know, the minute we start asking the question of how, what, when all of these questions, right, then we're not going to, we're not going to move. Like it's going to keep us stuck there until we get the answers, till we get it perfect, right? And so your analogy around the satna, I guess I've kind of grown beyond that, which is I'm going to put some stuff in the phone, yeah? And it will be really loose. So it'll be like a take me to Scotland. <laughs> right. I don't know where exactly I'm going to go. Like I've got an idea where it might land. I might land. Like, and I've got an idea of like the kind of route. Yeah. Because it's made to that area, that location. But kind of got to the place where I'm really comfortable with not knowing any of the detail, not knowing any of the end. Mainly just because I place, I would then place so much expectations on myself to reach that point. Maybe, maybe other people that are experiencing spaces with me, and how that creates the pressure um, around time. You know, around like, you know, am I doing really good enough here because they haven't got to that point yet? Right, and all of a sudden, when you take all of that off the table, no one comes in with expectations either. <clears throat> So we're all going to Scotland, but we don't exactly know where we're going to go, right? And that's okay. Exactly. Out of interest, you have a favourite pen and pencil, pen and pen and paper. Yeah, I do. I have my Mont Blanc, which I was gifted when I got into the Millionaires Club in an internal, in my last corporate job. And I have a beautiful notepad that has the reminder of... You had the power all along, my dear. Oh, from Wizard of Oz. Lovely. Nice. So, and it's quite irrelevant because lots of people, when I share my newsletter, they're like, you're a white witch. How did you know that was written just for me? Like, how did you know that was going on for me? You know, so very relevant. Mm. Excellent. I think it's, it's important. I, I like, I'm a bit of a, I'm a fan of pens and pens. I, and I always think there's something about if you've got whatever the tools are, if they've got tools that you enjoy using, then I think they make that experience, they just kind of add to that experience of, like you said, you know, totally. getting stuff out, of, whether it's getting stuff out of your head because, you know, you need to make a list to run what to do, or whether it's, I've got this brilliant idea. If you're doing it with stuff you enjoy using, it makes the whole process feel easier and more. Yeah, I have this, I've had this discussion with a few people about their home office, right? Like how, when your home office is beautiful, you know, how that makes an impact in your own well-being. You know, how if you're staring and looking at a cupboard door in front of you, like how 
clothes that's going to make you feel you know and it's kind of like a lot of people don't give themselves permission to expand into that space or give themselves that kind of space to work in and 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 it's just not healthy Tim like we're in that place now where a lot of people are working from home and it's almost well I can't take up that space there because it's someone else's or it's this it's that it's like well you spend seven hours (laughs) you know sometimes working at your desk so I do always really make an invitation to people to to really think about the environments they're kind of in and how much that makes an impact on, you know, the the the, the kind of the way they show up and how people are experiencing them. It and it's really interesting that on the on the podcast, I think we've had three people for whom their home working setup or like their their, their shed or wherever it is they happen to work, actually it is the thing that they've just, you know, this, this part of the, the podcast, because they've gone from, you know, working on a kitchen table to, to wanting, needing to have a space, which is theirs or that enables them to be a bit more flexible in the way that they do things. And, and you're right. Just some, sometimes that is very much down to, I just want a space that, that puts me in the right place psychologically to do my best work. That's hundred percent that. Yeah, because if we think about, you know, our mind is a space as well. Like, and if we don't give it enough space, how that really stunts or hinders, like, kind of our creative side, like, all, all the things that we see, like, really make a difference to kind of, you know, how we interpret or visually kind of come alive or, you know, I would call it, sometimes is is really based on what we see visually so no definitely i think it makes such a difference so with that in mind and thinking about the 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 things that you do to to do your work and and live your life and so i'm really interested and this is the i sometimes call this the shiny things question like what's the what's the last thing that you bought acquired brought into your life whatever it is that you're just kind of, that you're still a little bit excited about? Like, what's your new shiny thing? Where you're kind of like, oh, I'm really, I'm, I'm really pleased with that. I, there's so many things I'm grateful for. Are they all shiny? I'm certainly really grateful for my car. I, it's called the goddess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I asked for a new car about three years ago and then we went into lockdown and I was like, what's the point kind of to get one? So I've had her for about six months and she's a teeth rock. So she's probably the shiniest thing that I call and I get to look at her out the window every day. <laughs> sounds weird. However, it is shiny for me because it's, it's one of the things that has allowed me to travel. So as of Thursday, I'm off around Europe for six weeks. I can work in any locations. I used to travel a lot before I had my rescue dog, Tessie, and stay in lots of different places for long periods of time. And I was like, how can I do that again with her? And so the car, we're loading up the car. We're off on the channel tunnel next Thursday and um, off around Italy after that. So France and Italy, basically. Wow. Wow. And yeah, work, so doing the whole working nomad thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, all I'm hoping for is that they've got a good space for me to set up an office, you know. That's all I'm hoping for, really. Looks like it on the apartments that I've booked, but we'll see. Excellent. I, I want to see, I want to see Zoom pictures of you on in beach bars and on the, 
and balconies and so on and so forth. Oh, it's happening. Good, good, excellent. Right, we're into the last question then, Heather, if you're ready for this. And uh, the question is, complete the sentence, do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor and become unattached to the past and remove your fear of the future so that you can really come alive. Nice. That's going to make a really long podcast title, though. I realised I was living my life a little bit the wrong way around. Tim, I was kind of really chasing, like, to have all these things in place, material, money, you know, things, houses, all that. I was really working hard to have all these things and secure myself from a materials perspective and completely was unhappy. And so it's about us having the ability to be happy first, so to really be happy with who we are, kind of what it is, and we actually, you know, that brings us joy in it cultivates happiness and then go out and do what you need to do to continue being happy. Yeah. Okay, so where it comes from, right? And and I certainly had a massive attachment to my past in the sense that, you know, every action I took or every move I took was is literally to protect me, secure me, and make sure I'm safe. You know, so it's like I could never have enough money in the bank, I could never have enough houses, I could never have, you know, everything just felt like lacky and not enough. Mm-hmm place right so you know and then it's like yeah but if I do change like my job or do change the working hours or how hard I work this is the fear of the future right what does that mean to all the things I've already got and I'm like I don't want to lose those mm-hmm. you know so that's just a good example of, of what that's all about so is there a certain amount of almost that the way you're describing that it feels like almost there was a there was a kind of version of you that you had kind of built and then needed to live up to. Is that? I think that's a good a good way of explaining it. Yeah, I set a bar <laughs> really <Yeah>. hard <clears throat> for me to reach, and it was never ending. Like it, every time I did something, at the bar just raised even higher. Yeah. And how much of that was? How much of that was in your own eyes, and how much did you think was for other people, and was like an external projection? Thing? Well, I would say all of it was external. All of it was based on everyone else is doing this and they seem to be happy and they've got everything they want and they work really hard. So let me do that. The way I explain it is what we, what we do is we see and that helps us believe so that we can go and do it. And the invitation I make to a lot of people when they lean into commitment pledges through my group were, it is I say to them, and then I believe, then you'll see rather than trying to look for evidence out there of where someone else is doing this and where it's working for them and let me copy that, you know. Okay. I was absolutely doing that. Like, I was like, oh, I'm seeing all these things working for everyone else, so let me do that. I see. A lot of my belief, self-belief and general belief around the world, about the world, like on what was going on externally. Mm Mm-hmm. Versus me believing, well, if it's happening for me, like believing and trusting that, okay, now I'm going to bring it to life. Now I can see it because it's actually something that's born in me rather than some something I can see out there and got evidence to prove it's going to work. And and the fact that it's something that makes you happy and you want to do and be is in and of itself a reason to do it. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's like a. Follow your heart's desire rather than your head, what your head dictates. Just before we close up, I, I, 
I wonder if that's this just a question around your observations and what you've noticed really, because um, I observe a few things in my kind of the, the circles I see in my little social media bubbles and so on and so forth, but I have to remind myself that that's kind of curated and is therefore only a very narrow sort of view of like what, what you see in the world. And my observation, I wonder if this matches what you see is that I wonder if doing things or trying things for happiness sake, and does that feel like it's changed since the pandemic? Does that, does it feel like to you, have you seen that that's moved people's needle on that at all? I would say what I've noticed is now we're out of restrictions. People are still living with silent restrictions, I've noticed. So I would say <clears throat> the needle's moved for some people. However, I would also say with the current situation with Ukraine and that for a lot of people that needle what may well have stayed still because you know when we're feeling the pain out there and we feel like we can't do anything to change that or have a say in that or help make a difference to that then we don't see the point to anything you know and then that's when people stop trying you know and and really look at everywhere else for someone to make them feel good I see okay yeah, there's a, there is an element I can, I can relate to that idea of there's a, there's a lot in the world to feel powerless about at the moment. That's it. <clears throat> That's it. That's a hundred percent it. There is. And guess what? There is always going to be, right? There is always going to be a message, a sign, a something out there that we feel we can't make a difference to. And all it is <clears throat> to me, the sign, it, what it tells me is that yes, there's more work to be done. And, and I can't do it alone, you know, so the more people I invite around my world or have in my world that I know that needle's going to, and that's where I stay grounded. Even if it looks like it's really hard work or it looks like nothing's going to change one person at a time, you know, I believe <clears throat> one person that comes, excuse me, <clears throat> one person that comes from a place of abundance for the rest of their life versus a lacking and scarcity kind of mindset will change god no like 30 40 people around them mm -hmm. just by showing up that way you know so the impact is where i stay grounded really knowing it will make a difference fantastic heather where can people find you i have Two places you can connect with me and um, one is linked under Heather Eggington. You can find me there. If anyone from this podcast would like to experience something from me, I've just launched my first activation experience. Would be happy to gift anyone that came and messaged me that's watching uh, to come and join and, and experience that, which, yeah, I think Facebook, I don't normally send people there, but you can find me on there as well. Fantastic. Thank you, Heather. Thank you for joining us. That has been as, as much fun as I expected it. And I'm very jealous of your next few weeks, I have to say. And thank you, everybody, for listening to Do Yourself a Favour. We'll see you next time. been listening to do yourself a favor the podcast about learning from experience and the things we do to make our lives easier brought to you by make work work better 
my name is Tim Sismi from Make Work Work Better. Our theme tune is by The Titanics. Talk to you again soon.